So if you have a Bible, as I said, you can open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to start in verse 17. I'm going to read verses 17 through 21. If you're able to, I'd love for you to stand with me as I read it. Um, if you're not able, that's fine. After I read it, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. You'll say, thanks be to God. So let's stand and I'll start reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us, that's believers in Christ, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake He made him, God made Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. So we are in the third week of a six-week sermon series on what it means to be the church. You can see that it's titled, We Are. We are. And so this week we're doing an embassy. We are an embassy. The church, the local church, every local church uh, can be thought of as an embassy. And so it's a little bit different than what we usually do. Normally just pick a book and preach all the way through it. And even today, I'm going to exegete this text uh, a little bit, but not in a normal way that we're going through. But we're wanting to do this because it's really important for us as a church uh, and for you who are church members to latch on and believe in what it means for you to be a church member. It's, it's far more uh, important than maybe that we've wrapped our minds around. It's super, super important for us to understand what it means to be a church member. And so we're going through this six-week process. And <coughs> the first week, sorry. We talked about what it means to be the body of Christ, uh, and we looked at 1 Corinthians 12. Last week, we talked about what it means to be the family of God. Each week, we're looking at what a, a different biblical metaphor about what it means to be a church. And today, we're looking at the church as an embassy. And so let's understand what a church is. A church is. What is a church? It's not a building. It's not a building. A building is what we're in. The church is the people. It's the, the Greek word is the ekklesia. Ekklesia means the called out ones, the, the called out gathered together ones. And so we are the people. We are the church as we gather together on Sundays. But we're also the church. As, that's why every Sunday I say, have a good week being the church because we're the church as we scatter. We're still the church as we go throughout Rock Hill and live out our lives according to Christ and his gospel, wanting to tell people. So that's why every week I say, have a good week being the church because I'm wanting you to remember. Remember, I'm the church. I'm supposed to live like the church this week. So um, the funny story is one day, uh, Liam, my little son, he knows I always say that. And he was sitting in the very back and he's just whispering to mom, dad, oh, mom, mom, I need for dad to say, have a good week being the church. Because he knows that's the last thing I say. It's like, I need for dad to say, have a good week being the church because he wanted the service over. But nevertheless, uh, he's getting it that I say it quite often. Um, but here's what a church is. A church is a body of believers in Jesus together, drawing their life from him in regular practice or in a pra- regular practice, organized way that accelerate their progress for him. And so so it's, it's whenever we intentionally, um, because the Bible tells us to get together as a church. And as we get together, we're drawing our life uh, together in a regular, practical, organized way that accelerates our progress in him. So um, because we're together, uh, we are 
um, living life together. We are growing and are, we're being more sanctified. We're becoming more like Christ. He says, uh, progressing or accelerating in our progress for him. But also because we're together, gathered around the scriptures, the scriptures do this as it promises us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And so scripture's clear that as a Christian, we can't choose to live in isolation as believers we have to um it's easy to live in isolation as a christian you have to belong which costs it does cost your time costs um your care it costs things but it's much more satisfying as scripture wants us and tells us that we have to um put ourselves into a local church body. Every Christian should be a part of a local church body. And so as we're going through, we're looking at what it means to be the body of Christ, what it means to be the family of God, and today what it means to be an embassy of God, what it means to be an embassy. Now, the first two weeks when we looked at the body and the family, those two metaphors have a very internal focus. You're the body of Christ, and this is what it means to use your gifts inside, and so everybody's interconnected with each other. It's very inward focus. And as we looked at last week, it means the family of God, and how we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and how we should care for each other. And no matter what, uh, if you have a, if you have a, a a dispute with a family member. It doesn't mean you're not family members anymore. It means you work through it no matter what because you're family and you can't ever get rid of that. You can't break that. And so it's very inward focused, those last two metaphors. Today, the embassy for God, it has an inward aspect, but obviously has an outward aspect. And so this is going to be a both and. So what, what is an embassy? If you're thinking embassy is a new word for me, what does that mean? How does that look? Here's what an embassy is. This comes from a book called Church Membership by Jonathan Lehman. An embassy is, you know, what we would think it is, if you know what that term means. It's an institution that represents one nation inside of another nation. So there's embassies all over the world. You know, America has an embassy in another country. And so when you're in that country, let's say it's in France, you're in France. But once you walk into that one little building, you're actually on American soil, even though you're in in France. So that's what an embassy is. It's uh, an institution that represents one nation inside another nation. So let's think about what that means for us as a church. It declares its home nation's interest to the host nation, and it protects the citizens of the home nation living in the host nation. So uh, if a citizen's in trouble and he runs into that embassy, he's got protection. That's basically what it's saying. So the, the church thinking itself as, a, as, a, as an embassy has lots of things. Therefore, a local church is a real-life embassy set in the present that represents Christ's future kingdom and his coming universal church. So when we think of the church as an embassy, it means, as an embassy, it means that this is an, uh, an institution set into this world. Uh, and so this is a place where... Uh, when it says that an institution that represents one nation inside another nation, we actually represent a whole other nation, not on earth at all. We represent Christ's kingdom as we're here. And so it's also a place that we can come to where we have protection. And so uh, the representatives of an embassy are called ambassadors, which is what we read in this particular text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors. And so um, we... We are members of an embassy because we're ambassadors for Christ. If you grew up in, in a Baptist church, we're royal ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. We do that little thing at the RA camp whenever I work there. Anyway, so the idea of embassy comes from the Bible because we're all members of Christ's kingdom. Every single one of us, if you're a Christian, you're members of Christ's kingdom. And actually, this is not your home. You're on foreign soil. 
Every single one of us. Earth is foreign soil for us. And so because that's the case, we have to think of ourselves as ambassadors. So today we're going to talk about what it means to be the church as an embassy. And on what biblical basis should we think about ourselves as members of another kingdom? Instead of, I'm a South Carolina resident, I'm I'm an American. Okay, but not really if you're a Christian first. You're actually something else. And therefore, why should we think of ourselves as our citizenship not resting here in South Carolina or America? Here's why. 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh. So he's already telling you, if you are here in this country, you're actually, or on earth, you're a sojourner and an exile. No matter what country you go to, you're always a sojourner and an exile. You don't belong here. Even more explicitly, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says it this way. This is key. If you write in your Bibles, it's okay to underline this one. Philippians 3, 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our citizenship, if you're a believer in Christ, is not here. Your citizenship primarily is in heaven. You're a South Carolina resident. You got to have a license. You know, you live in America. You got to have a social security number, whatever. I get it. But as believers in Christ, our citizenship is in heaven and the embassy of heaven, because we're not in heaven, is a local church all over. Every single local church is an embassy. One writer says it this way, just as the Bible establishes government for your nation as your highest authority on earth, when it comes to your citizenship in that nation, so the Bible establishes the local church as your highest authority on earth when it comes to your discipleship to Christ and your citizenship in Christ's present and promised nation. So whatever church you're a member of, you have said to that church, I am committing myself to you. I'm covenanting with you that I'm going to place myself under the, the, the leadership of this church. And I am going to let the pastor elders of this church lead this embassy. And I will follow them as they follow Christ. And I will submit to the way that they lead this embassy for Christ's kingdom. And so our job then as ambassadors, as ambassadors to this embassy is, is twofold. It's twofold. One, we are as an embassy, we are declaring our home nation's interest to the home host nation. We are declaring Jesus' interest to the host nation, the earth. Our job as an embassy, this is the outward focus, is to tell the host nation, that's the pagan earth, about Jesus. Our second job is this, and this is the more internal. Remember when I said if... Uh, like Assange, he kind of ran into that one embassy and he stayed there until they finally got him out. But while he was there, he, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can run to an embassy and you can get protection, right? If you're from another country. But nevertheless, while he was there, he had protection. In the same way, the second thing is that uh, an embassy protects the citizens of the home nation and the, ho- and the host nation. So basically what that just means is this. As a believer in Christ, when you are gathered together with your local church, there is a sense of a safe haven for you inside of a local church. And we're going to get to that soon. But every local church, when they serve as an embassy, means that there is, there's a loving care, tender protection that should be around you. And that's the inward focus that I was talking about uh, as an embassy. 
So since every local church is an outpost or an embassy of the kingdom, church membership is the declaration of the local church to a member that says, church, so when a church says, yes, you can be a member, whenever the elders say, yes, you can be a member of this church, it's us saying, yes, you actually really are a citizen of Christ's kingdom, which is why we have this extensive membership process. If, I, if you're going to be a member, I have to know that you're actually regenerate, know that you're a Christian. And so if you actually become a member at Remedy Church, it means something. It's, it's, it's us who speak for the Lord as pastors looking at you and say, yes, we affirm that you really are a member of Christ's kingdom and you get to belong to this particular church because you really are a believer in Christ. And so that's the first thing is that we say, yes, you really are a member of Christ's kingdom. And the second thing is we look at you and say, now you have a definite obligation to represent Christ to this host nation. We, we charge you with that. You have an obligation. Now you could say, how, do you, how can you do that? How can you judge whether someone's a Christian? Well, obviously the Lord knows the heart, right? I get it. But nevertheless, it's still my job as a pastor. I have to be able to know in some sense, to the best of my ability, if people are believers or not. That's, that's part of the job responsibility. And the Bible is fraught with texts that say that you can know by their fruit. But one writer says it this way. The embassy-like authority of the local church gives individuals who mouth the words, I'm with Jesus, the opportunity to demonstrate that those words actually mean something. The local church guards the reputation of Christ by sorting out true professors of Christ from false professors. That's not the, co- the members or the congregants' job. That would be the pastor's job. But nevertheless, that's part of our job. The local church enables the world to look into the canvas of God's people and see an authentic painting of Christ's love and holiness and not a forgery. And the local church lays down a pathway with guardrails and resting stations for the long journey of the Christian life. So as you're walking through, the pastors of the church lay down guardrails that keep you from falling away so that you actually walk the narrow path down to eternity. And so, therefore, the importance of the first two weeks are striking for us now as we get here. When we talk about what it means to be the body, what it talk about it means to be the family, those two biblical metaphors about the body of Christ and the family of God are crucial for you to understand that you are, um, you, because you're a church member, you, t- you should take it seriously, that you really are part of the body, that if you're a hand, the body won't function without you being here as the hand. Or if you're the, the, the foot, the body won't function without you being here. Every single body part, every single church member is crucial. You're part of the family. And when you're part of the family, no matter what happens, you, you can't just say, well, I'm not a part of the family anymore. You, you can't do that in your own family. You can't just say, ah, I'm not a part of the family. You can't do that. So once you have voluntarily associated yourself into a local church and say, this is my home, then you say, I'm part of the family. And family members don't leave family members. And so it's important for us to get all that so that when we move into this, it's desired for you to understand your personal role that you are supposed to feel and take now when you become a member of a local church. It's a huge thing to become a member. It's a huge thing. Once you do agree to become a member, an active part of the body, you agree to be an active family member. And it's crucial for us to understand the depths of all this. You don't separate from the body. You can't. You can't just take your hand off and throw it out and say, there it is. You don't separate from the family. Leaving the church body 
should never ever be thought of unless, there, unless there's massive biblical reasons, which are actually far more uh, difficult than, than most of us. Michael Horton explains it well this way. He says this, Christ does not call us to join a church, but to submit to a church. Christ doesn't call us to join a church like some kind of Sierra Club, but to submit to a church under the headship of the pastors. The church is not simply another voluntary society like the Boy Scouts. It's an embassy of Christ's kingdom. And kings do not offer suggestions, sell products, or provide resources that people can take or leave. One other guy says it this way. Don't misunderstand. The non-Christian standpoint, a local church is just a voluntary association. No one has to join. But from the standpoint of the Christian, however, it is not. Once you choose Christ, you must choose his people too. It's a package deal. Choose the father and choose the son. You choose the whole family, which you have to do through a local church. So you have to be a part of a local church. And so once we understand that as embassy, now we can start understanding what are the implications. That's just my introduction. That's just the introduction, but the, the sermon will be short. But what I want to do is to, I want to unpack. Uh, I'm trying not to say unpack. I'm going to look at Second uh, Corinthians because it's used too much. Second Corinthians chapter 5. But before we do that, we need to also uh, uh, always set our foundation of what draws us together. Why would we all choose to do life with each other. Not just why would we come here on Sundays, because maybe it's fun and you like the coffee, but why would we choose to do life with each other, to share what's going on in the depths of our hearts with each other? There's only one reason that we know each other. There's only one reason, and that's Jesus. Like, we would never likely know each other if it weren't for Christ. Maybe we would know each other because our kids play on the same sports team or go to the same school or something, but the reason why we're here is because of Jesus. So here it is. So let's set our foundation. I want to read um, Mark chapter 15. Just listen. This is at the very end of Jesus' life. And this for us, um, and I want to start with Mark's words about our Lord Jesus Christ because it gives us a, a clearer understanding of Paul's statement about Jesus in verse 21. Whenever we get the, the, whenever it says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And we got that. Yeah, Jesus became sin. Let's talk about what that means and what it looked like. What does that look like? Mark 15. The soldiers led him away inside the palace. That's the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him with a purple cloak. And they twisted together a crown of thorns on him. And they shoved it on his head. They put it on him. And they began to salute him. They're taunting him. Hail, king of the Jews! which incidentally is true. And they were striking him in the head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. They don't realize what they're doing. As Philippians 2 says, they're going to do that one day, right? Everybody's going to do that one day, Philippians 2, 12 through 15, 14. And when they had mocked him, they stripped all of his clothes off of him and the purple cloak and they put his own clothes on him and they led him out to be crucified. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin. So realize everything that's happening to Jesus here, he did not deserve. He was totally pure, sinless. Everything he's doing was for us. He made him, God sent Jesus who knew no sin to become sin 
so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. We can actually be pure, holy, blameless like Jesus if we put our faith and trust in him that he died on the cross for us. So that's, that's, the, that's the foundation as Paul says it in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone in, is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. You're now, as it says in the Greek, a kine katissus, a new creation. You're not an old creation anymore. You're a complete new man. So because of that, that's why we say, if I'm a believer in Christ, I choose God, I choose Jesus, I choose a church. Based on all that, now we're going to zero in on this particular text, 2 Corinthians 5, just 18 through 20. 18 through 20. I just want to look at those those. 18, 18, 18, three verses. <laughs> I want to look at those three verses. And I want you to notice there's a word that repeats. There's a word that repeats. It's, it's really easy to spot. I'm going to emphasize it while I read it. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to him, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. It's a repeating theme in those three verses. That means when there's lots of re- repetition that you should note it. And if, if something's said five times in three verses, he's trying to help you see this is the point of the text, right? Now, we're going to read it again, but I want you to notice something with me. Notice the tenses of the verbs. This is where it gets quite interesting because when you notice the tenses, you're going to see in verse 18, it's an accomplished fact. God reconciled us. But you're also going to see an incomplete process as it sees in in verse 19, 20, that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So it's an accomplished fact. We believe that Ephesians 1, but also every single one of us has been given the ministry of reconciliation. So it's an already, not yet. There's lots of things like that in the Bible, but let's watch it again. Read it again with me. Therefore, verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So it's it's a done deal, but also gave us then the ministry of reconciliation. Consider this for a second. This is not the pastors. He gave Christians the ministry of reconciliation. Every single one of you has been given the ministry of reconciliation. Meaning, like, let's pretend this is God. And he's super angry at at all of us because of our sin. But he loves us dearly. And he wants us to be forgiven and come to him. And we're, here we are. I mean, Christ is the mediator, but Christ has said, he's given us this this mouthpiece to where we, we look at the lost and dying world and we're like, the Lord loves you. I mean, you're a sinner, but the Lord loves you. Repent of your sin. This is, this is our job. And as we say it, it's literally Christ making his appeal through us. And we're looking at them. And as we're looking at them, as it says in verse, uh, the very verse end of 20, we're saying with all of our heart, be reconciled to God. Trust in Christ. You can be forgiven of all your sin. And if they believe, then they are now reconciled to God the Father. And he's let us. He's not commanded us. He's given us this amazing opportunity. He has, but he's given us amazing opportunity to be a part of this. What a privilege. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
What a privilege. Watch it again. Watch the tenses. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us. And then when he did, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was reconciling the word to himself. God's in the process of accomplishing his purposes from eternity, set from eternity past until he comes back, drawing in people that will believe. Reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them because he put it on Christ, as we see in verse 21, and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, since that's the case, we live in this embassy, we're ambassadors, we speak as one who live in a, in a, wrong, in a different land because we're citizenship is in heaven, in this host nation. And God, look at that, God making his appeal through us. Literally, when you talk and you tell somebody the gospel, God is literally making an appeal through you. That's so humbling. That's just remarkable to me. I mean, I am so messed up. I mean, who am I to ever be, have this privilege to be able to make an appeal to someone from God the Father to be reconciled to him? So humbling. But he does it. He does it through you too. God making his appeal, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so the first thing is that we want to see here is this. Two notes is that we are ambassadors at the embassy. We're diplomatic representatives. We are ambassadors at the embassy. You are church members at the local church of Remedy Church. You're ambassadors at the embassy. This is where you are. And if that's the case, (coughs) if you're going to be an ambassador, then there's a cost. There's a cost. Let's look at it. So put up A. First, what it means to be, there's a cost. You need to know. Um, an ambassador, just a few definitions, to uh, biblical definitions of what it means to be an ambassador. An ambassador is Christ's spokesman or spokeswoman. We're fine with you, obviously. He does not act on his own authority, but under the commission of a greater power and authority who sent him. One other commentator says, uh, an ambassador is this meant older, more experienced men and women who served as representatives of a king uh, from another country. Obviously, that means Jesus. And all believers now are messengers representing the kingdom of heaven with the gospel who plead with the people of the world to be reconciled to God, who is their rightful king. So when we're pleading with them, we're saying, hey, you got it all wrong. Your rightful king is in heaven and you should be reconciled to your rightful king. Not these people here. Not your ideology here, not this sin that enslaves you here, but your rightful king. And so we should also note, by the way, that this ambassador here, though it's written in the noun form, is actually a verb. It's actually a verb indicating action, right? Indicating action. Um, And so the first century, though, this is why I say cost, because now like an ambassadorship is like this awesome job. Like, yeah, I get to go to another country and live in luxury in this posh little building where I get to walk around and tour the country. And it's so awesome. Not in the first century, right? Not in the first century. An ambassador, that's why I say cost, an ambassador in the first century is not the glamorous 21st century job that it is now. To travel to a foreign land uh, in, the tw- in the first century to live in an embassy was difficult and costly. And that's what Paul's communicating. Uh, One writer says it this way. Paul does not consider being an ambassador of Christ uh, uh, an onerous task, but instead an enormous privilege to become God's, 
to become a part of God's saving enterprise to the world. He doesn't worry that he has to pay his own way, because he does. He does not complain because he's also been in prison so many times and suffered countless beatings and had to endure stonings and shipwrecks and dangers from deadly countrymen all in his journeys. He does not travel first class, but would frequently wind up hungry and thirsty and exposed to the cold. He did not endure these things for personal glory or reward because God shone in his heart and gave him the light of the knowledge of the glory in the face of Christ Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He simply could not stay at home and keep silent. He committed himself to the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation for the sake of the gospel. So it was not a glamorous job. So there's a cost of discipleship. There's a cost of being an ambassador. That's the first thing we want you to realize. When you say, yes, I'm going to be an ambassador, when you, as a, as a, uh, ambassador for Christ, go into this host nation. Generally, they don't like us. But nevertheless, we're making an appeal to them. Be reconciled to God. We have the most important news that they could ever have. We're telling them the most important thing. That's the first thing is the cost. But the second thing is I want to talk about the message of the ambassador. The message of the ambassador, B. And we can see it there. It's God making his appeal through us. And there's, there's two little things I want to talk about about this message. Number one is the way we say it. It's crucial that we say it right and that the way that we say it is, is important. Uh, Garland says, an ambassador makes the case for the one who sent him. He proclaims, he appeals, he entreats, and he urges. So when we make these appeals, they must be loving and gentle and as winsome as possible. It's not like, Here's Jesus, take him or leave him or die and go to hell. You know, like the, the way that we say it is so crucial. We represent the king who's the most tender-hearted, loving person ever. So the way that we say it is crucial because the living Lord is literally speaking through us. It's God making his appeal through us. This means that those whom we represent will make their judgment about Jesus about the way they observe the way we live. Those that we're trying to win will make a determination about Jesus, about the way we live. So the way we say it matters. Since God is making his appeal through us, it's imperative that we live or uh, behave as a way that brings credit to our master. So the first thing I want us to understand is that uh, it matters what we're saying. And remember, you might ask yourself, how am I qualified for the ministry of reconciliation? How is this possible? Paul uh, is not talking to seminarians here. Like there was no such thing as seminarians. He's not talking just to pastors here. There is a list of qualifications for pastors in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. That's not uh, who has to live into this. The people that do this are Christians. This means that every church member has been given this ministry. We're not lone rangers trying to accomplish this by ourselves. Instead, we are a local church accomplishing this together. So the ministry of reconciliation has not been given to you. Go do it. The ministry of reconciliation has been given to every embassy. We do it as a local church together. And if every local church is doing it, then the Lord will start doing amazing things in the city. So Remedy Church, if you're a membership if you're a member here, you're an ambassador to this embassy, Remedy Church. And now we are together proclaiming Christ and his kingdom to the city together. Now, you can say, how serious is this? Is this really important? The ministry of reconciliation, one writer says, cannot be exercised in a detached and cold manner. 
the way we say it's important. The language Paul uses is deeply emotional and passionate. Through us, he declares. God appeals to men through us. We are imploring them. So this ministry can never be performed coldly with a take it or leave it attitude. The way we say the message matters. But the second part is what we say. What we say. It's real simple. It's in verse 21. What we say is in verse 21 or verse 17. You who are not in Christ are the old man. You can be made into the new man. Jesus, who knew no sin, was made by or brought forward by God the Father. I believe Jesus is eternally God. He wasn't made. Um, So that, um, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He was He was put forward on the cross. This is what we say. He was put forward on the cross for all of your sins to be forgiven. If you trust that Jesus took your place, I confess that I'm a sinner, God. I put all my hope and trust in Jesus, that he died on the cross for me. And so since that's the case, all of his righteousness can be given to me and all of my sin is put on him. And now I am completely forgiven. That's what we say. We tell them the message of the cross. That's what we say. So as a church member... Uh, as being a part of the embassy, uh, membership then, therefore, is this affirmation that you are now a part of Christ's kingdom and that you have, you're a passport-carrying, Jesus-representing member here before the nations. Because our citizenship isn't here, it's in heaven. And you uh, carry this representation out as you go into the, into the world. And so what is our right response here? If, if you're not a believer in Christ, your right response as you hear the gospel in First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, as somebody says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, as you hear this, then our right response is believe, trust today. One writer says it this way, the hearers should be actively responding to this relationship of being reconciled to God. To be reconciled to God requires that a person ask God forgiveness that he's provided in the death of his son. And this is the clear teaching of Jesus that we're to be reconciled means to seek for and receive forgiveness from the wrong party. That's, G- that's Jesus. God has been wronged by us because we've sinned against him. God will surely then therefore forgive us. There is no doubt about it. But we must ask, and this means humbly acknowledging that we need to be forgiven by God. So this, that's, that's our right response this morning. If you're not in Christ, be reconciled to God. I'm, I'm pleading to you right now, Christ speaking through me to you, be reconciled. But if you are a believer, your right response is this. Begin the process of begging people to be reconciled to God. Be an ambassador for Christ to this world. Letting them know that the wrath is on them, the wrath of God is on them, the judgment of God is on them, and that they will receive blessing and reward if they respond in faith to the gospel. And so, let's conclude with this. This is how we're going to conclude. One, this is your number one uh, application. Live like this is not our home. Live like this is not our home. If this isn't your home, how would you live? If you were in another country and it wasn't your home, how would you live? You would live differently. You would spend sparingly. You would long to get back to where you're supposed to be. 
It's the same way. We, we, we spend sparingly. We, we, we spend for the glory of Christ. We don't live like we're just so settled here that we're just totally fine with everything happening. Instead, there should be this heart longing to be at home with Jesus. And so live, and there's a billion more implications. Live like this is our home. Like this is not our home, sorry. Live like this is not our home. Number two, truly live like the church is an embassy and you're a member, you're an ambassador. And that has that two-prong implication. One, that you're going to speak out to people and tell the people around us the gospel. But here's the second. Remember I said living as an embassy has two implications. We, we represent uh, Christ to the host nation, but the second one is that we protect the citizens of the home nation living. So if someone... Uh, is in a foreign country, they can actually enter the embassy in their own home soil and like, they're protected now. You, governments, you can't do anything. This is, they're on American soil even though we're in France. In the same way, if we, we draw that into the local church, it means this. Here's number two. Church, we are a safe haven for our citizens, our fellow citizens. We are a hospital for the saints in this embassy. This is what it means. I want to make sure we understand what this means. If someone is a believer in Christ and they're a member of this church, you should know, since this is a safe haven, and that's what it's supposed to be, it's okay to not be okay here. It's okay. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm just like you. I'm just as sinful as you are. I am in just as much need of the gospel every single day as you are. I am a sinner like you, and I'm not okay most days without Jesus. And therefore, this is a place to come and say, I'm not okay. And this is the place where it's supposed to be fine. This church, no one here is perfect. Everyone has massive problems. And it's a place where you can say, I'm not okay. And then therefore, the church members come around you and care for you and protect you like we're supposed to be. To be a safe haven means that you find your fellow citizens of this embassy and you come around them and you love them and you care for them. And if they say I'm messed up and I got problems, you say, one, me too, because you're going to finally be honest. No one here is perfect and we don't have to be. That's why we have Jesus. Two, let me help you. Let me pray for you. Let me meet with you as many times as it takes this week, this month, this year, because being ambassador costs. And let me come around you and care for you. Let me know how I can gospel you, remind you who you are in Christ as much as I can. Walk you through this thing that's going on in your life. This is a place where everyone needs the gospel. No one has it together. No one's perfect. Everybody is severely sick. And without Jesus, we will stay that way. And because of Jesus, we are getting healthy and one day we'll get our, our, our glorified body. And it's going to be awesome, right? No hair on your back. You're finally going to be like strong, all that kind of stuff, right? And this is the, the smallest implications of the glorified body. Like, but the, there'll be a lot of great things, right? <coughs> back to the actual point. Being an embassy means this internal implication that when there's somebody in our church that needs protection and love and care and empathy, that we come around them and we say, we don't put on a face and like, like we're great because we're not. 
this is a place where you can be not okay. And I'm going to tell you what Christ has done for you and remind you. And this is where we get together every single week, week in, week out, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays and whatever, that people can be uh, not okay. Because this is a safe haven embassy where every single one of us then therefore is banking our lives, not on ourselves, but 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your care. Thank you for these metaphors of the church that were the body, were the family, we're an embassy. And what it means, Lord, help us live these things out. We will never do it perfectly. We want to. We want to. And if we can, by your spirit and for your glory, let us do it. But give us grace and help us, Lord, really live out these things about what it means to be a church and members of a church for your glory. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the good news of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.